have your Bibles. Let's make this declaration together. This is my Bible. God's written living word to me. It reveals who God says I am and declares what God says I can have. Because it's how he thinks, I choose to believe and act on what I'll read. And therefore, I am transformed. The Apostle Paul wrote this letter to the church in Rome. There is little that contests that fact. And the importance of this tremendous book is best summarized by Martin Luther, the great reformer in his preface to the commentary that he wrote on Romans. He says, and I quote, This epistle is the chief book of the New Testament, the purest gospel. It deserves not only to be known word for word by every Christian, but to be the subject of his meditation day and night. Luther also spoke of it as, quote, a light and way into the whole scriptures, end quote. It was written sometime during the years of A.D. 54 to 58. And thus it is one of the earliest writings in the New Testament. The recipients of this was the church at Rome, filled with both Jew and Gentile, more Gentiles than Jews. So once again, this is a letter as most of what you find in your New Testament is and are. These are letters written to the churches. Of course, you have the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You have the book of Revelation, which was not a letter. By the way, it's the book of Revelation and not the book of Revelations. But almost everything else, Acts, of course, is a historical documentary, document, Documenting, a documentary, documenting, documentary, documenting, it was, and it documents the <laughs> early church and the Acts, which is why it's called Acts, the Acts of the Apostles and the Acts of the Holy Spirit after the day of Pentecost. But just about everything else then is a letter personally written by one of these men to one of the churches to encourage them, build them up give them doctrine, establish them in the faith, encourage them, warn them, exhort them, and the like. Romans stands out. Let's read the first seven verses of Romans and chapter 1. And I doubt that I will get any further than verse 5. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. Those of you that are King James purists will be disappointed. <laughs> Starting in verse 1 of chapter 1 of the letter to the Romans, Paul writes, this letter is from Paul a slave of Christ Jesus, chosen by God to be an apostle, 
and sent out to preach his good news. God promised this good news long ago through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. The good news is about his son. In his earthly life, he was born into King David's family line, and he was shown to be the Son of God when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Through Christ, God has given us the privilege and authority as apostles to tell Gentiles everywhere what God has done for them, so that they will believe and obey him, bringing glory to his name. And you are included among the Gentiles who have been called to belong to Jesus Christ. I am writing to all of you in Rome who are loved by God and are called to be saints or his own holy people. The King James uses the word saints. Isn't that interesting? All of us are called to be saints. How many of you know not just some people are saints? See, we are called to be the light of the world. Yes. Let's go back to verse 1 and verse 2. And I want you to... In fact, let's, let's just hang around verse 1 for a moment. This letter is from Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, chosen by God to be an apostle, sent out to preach good news. We, we don't relate well to terms like saints, apostles, preaching, the gospel, being a servant or a slave. But what if all of those are merely older expressions of current, relevant good news that gives an incredible meaning and purpose to our lives today? Especially when read from the King James translation, I, I don't relate. So as we go through this Bible study on Romans, I think what's going to happen is the Holy Spirit's going to take what is sometimes very difficult language that we haven't related to and bring it alive because the book of Romans, unlike any other book in all of the Bible, reveals the purpose and the mind and the heart of God for redeeming our innocence and bringing us back into the life that was once ordained for Adam and Eve. In verse 1, we begin with self-identity and purpose. Paul starts the letter saying, I'm Paul. <laughs> How many of you walk around and say, hey, I'm Jeff. Really, I, I, I'm Jeff. <laughs> He's setting us up to stop and think. Why, why is he saying this? I'm Paul. And he continues, a slave of Jesus Christ. What a powerful word. A servant, a slave of Jesus Christ. The mirror translation says, passionately engaged to Jesus Christ. 
It comes from the Greek word doulos, to be bound or knit together like a husband to his wife. You see, this isn't the concept of a ball and chain. See, that's our problem. Often when we, when we read the Bible, it's perceived as a ball and chain that we now have to sort of drag along that restricts us having fun in life. When in actuality, Paul said, this isn't a ball and chain. This is all about being passionately engaged like a bride to her husband. I couldn't help, and forgive me, I'm sorry for my carnality here, but I couldn't help but think of scenes from Pretty Woman, the movie. If you've not seen it, get a chaperone and go. I even reviewed it. I, I thought of showing it on the screen and then thought better of it. It wasn't bad. It's just, you know, the idea of it. Yeah, we're in church, you know. But it's, it's, it's the story of a very wealthy businessman who falls in love with a prostitute. And because of his great wealth and his ability to bring her up in, in life, to change her status, they fall in love and this romance blossoms and in the process, of course, he changes her life dramatically because of all of the things that he does for her. Now, there's a scene where he takes her shopping on Rodeo Boulevard in Hollywood. When she first, she goes into the first store, of course, she looks like a prostitute. I mean, not, not scrungy and ugly, but like a Hollywood prostitute would, the clothes and all. And she's turned away. She, they're disgusted in the salespeople, uh, like, like Christians. This is why I so relate. It's just like many Christians would do to sinners, how they disgust us, and how dare you come in our shop and... This shop isn't for your kind. And so she walks out. She's hurt. She's, she's deeply offended because she was there to shop. I mean, the, the gentleman went to church and, excuse me, went to business, <laughs> went to work to do his business and left her the credit card and said, go shopping. So that's what she was trying to do. So in tears, she comes to this gentleman and reports what happened to her. And he says, come with me. And he takes her shopping, takes her to a shop that he knows that he's a customer at. And the scene is so, so wonderful, so, so descriptive of how God treats us. He grabs the manager of the store and says, we're going to spend a lot of money here today. And, uh, of course, this gentleman is used to, this store manager is used to treating people very well and providing for the very rich and famous. He says, how, how much? And he, the businessman says, an obscene amount of money. I want you to take care of her and whatever she wants, you be sure she gets it. And so unfolds the scene Several of the help in the store rush over to help her, and they spend the next couple of hours catering to her every need. And she walks out of that store having 
experienced lavish gifts from somebody who knows no limit, has no bounds. What a wonderful picture of our God who took us from the street where we were prostitutes in this life, eking out a living. And God redeems us. And in his love for us, he treasures us and he lavishes like a husband would a bride. He lavishes upon us his goodness and his grace. That's the idea here. When Paul says, I'm a slave to Jesus Christ, he's talking about the goodness of God. How that when you walk with Jesus, Jesus is going to lavish upon you his love, his goodness, his faith, his joy. And yes, he wants you even on this earth, now in this time, to live an abundant life where your needs are met, so much to the point where you can bless others. Out of the abundance of your life, you can bless and minister to others. That's how blessed God wants you. Often people have a problem with the idea of prosperity and they, they ridicule and criticize preachers who preach on prosperity. While I might have a problem with some of the antics and some of the methods of those who are on television and preach prosperity, one thing I do not have a problem with, the idea that God wants me to be blessed, wants me now in this lifetime to experience abundance and fullness because I know what I'm going to do with it. I'm going to turn around as I'm blessed and I'm going to bless others. I'm going to help others. Paul continues in verse 1 and says, I'm a slave of Jesus Christ, chosen by God to be an apostle. This Greek word for chosen means called, to identify by name. In the mirror translation, that phrase says this, identified to him to represent him. Identified in him, excuse me, to represent him. I love that. Dear ones, do you realize this morning that in God's faith, mankind is associated in Christ before the foundation of the world? Before you ever said yes to Jesus, in God's faith, in God's mind, you were already His. He already loved you perfectly. He already had a design for your life. He already had a purpose spelled out for you. While you were yet sinners, Christ died for you. And before the foundation of the world, the Lamb was slain. And so see, it's not my faith, it's God's faith in me. It's God's faith in Jesus. It's God's faith that turned this world upside down, gave Christ to the earth to be born and brought me in to that salvation. God's faith brings me in to that salvation. I'll repeat it. This is by Francois Dutrois, the author of the Mirror Bible, and I quote, In God's faith, mankind is associated in Christ even before the foundation of the world. Paul says, I've been chosen 
Before the foundation of the world, God marked me. He chose me by his faith in his mind. He marked me and chose me, Paul says, to be an apostle. That word means to represent him, to be an extension of him. And here's what I love about this. Rather than reading verse 1, verse 2, these first couple of verses from this sort of historical point of view and this detachment because we can't understand the terms and really don't relate. We never use those today. Apostle, servant, you know, preaching, gospel. In fact, the idea of preaching really is a turnoff to most of us. <laughs> I don't like to preach. I, I don't want to be preachy. But if we look at this from Paul's standpoint, if we look at this from the language of the day, if we look at this from the place of redemption and what God had in mind, we understand that when Paul begins and says, I'm Paul, just like you, I'm Paul, God chose me by his faith in his mind before the foundation of the world, and he placed me in this world, showered upon me his goodness, his abundance, showered upon me every good and perfect gift, and then he called me to be, marked me, to be an extension of him. That's what the word apostle means, to be an extension. And when I read that, I said, I can do that. I'm an apostle. You're 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 an extension of what? Of all these good things God believes, thinks about you, and has showered upon. You're an extension to go just share with somebody else about this outstanding friendship you have. See, when you put it in that light, nothing could be easier. How many of you in the last three months have gone to a really great restaurant and you said, man, I'm going back there. That was fine. That was awesome. Never been there before, but I'm glad I went. Somebody told you about it. You read about it, read an article about it. You went. How many of you have been to a really great restaurant in the last three months? All right. How about six months? This year. How many of you have been to a great restaurant this year? You'd go back. Now, how many of you that raised your hand have told somebody else about that restaurant? Several of you. Was it hard? No. Did you sweat? Did you get down by your bedside and start praying, God, help me. Help me tell Joe about this. I'm, I'm just not sure. God, I, I'm not sure how he's going to feel. Man, I, I don't want him to turn me off and reject me and start thinking I'm weird at work, you know, and shun me. He's one of my best friends. Man, I didn't. Oh, God. Oh, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. Wouldn't that be weird to do that with... Something you enjoyed so much like a restaurant? You would never do that. Why do we do that with our best friend, Jesus? Who has, like a groom would his bride, showered us <laughs> with all these good things. Marked me. I mean, before, while I was still hated his guts and was running from him, he had his eye on me. Before the foundation of the world, by his faith, he had already marked me, claimed me. Jeff, 
you're mine. You're mine. Once you get born and old enough and of an age, I'm, man, you're going to find out how awesome I am. I'm going to be your best friend, Jeff. There's some things you're going to go through, but you're mine, Jeff Corson. Ooh, why would I not want to tell somebody about that? You see what a difference even verse 1 makes when you begin to understand it in the light of redemption and the incarnation of Christ and what God really did and God's love and God's favor. And, and he says, then he ends verse 1, he says, I've been sent out to preach the good news. Francois says in the mirror translation, my mandate and message is to announce the goodness of God to mankind. Mandate means marked out. Message from the Greek word angeline means well done announcement, good news, the official announcement of God's goodness. Jerry, we have a slide back there. Could you throw it up and let's, uh, Jeff, please, lights out. Barb, lights, please. Show me that slide there that I have of uh, an Instagram message. Many of you, I'm sure, know that as a result of what happened in the past couple of days in France, there's been a showering, an outpouring of love and prayer for France. People even changing the colors of their shirts and their, their Facebook pages to, to be the colors of the, the, the flag of France. Buildings are being lit up and changed in their color to represent the colors of France. And, and, and so people have been saying, we're praying for you, France. This is an Instagram message from one of the writers at uh, uh, the, the magazine that earlier in the year, in January, so many individuals were killed by an Islamic terrorist. Do you remember that? Heb, Heb, what? Does anybody remember the name of the newspaper? Charlie Hebda. Charlie Hebda. That company, that newspaper produced some satirical content about the Ayatollah. So, two Islamic terrorists went after the staff and killed several of them. After reading all of the outpouring of love and prayer for France, one of the staff members of Charlie Hebda put this Instagram message out. Friends from the whole world, thank you for your prayer for Paris, hashtag prayer for Paris, but we don't need more religion. Our faith goes to music, kisses, life, champagne, and joy. Lights, please. I can't tell you the profane, ugly, disgusting, heartbreaking, twisted comments and replies that follow that Instagram message on the internet. Many of them Christians, you can tell because of what they're referencing in the Bible and prayer and so forth. Bashing this individual, coming against them. One person said, I hope they turn their guns on you. Can you imagine? And they were probably a churchgoer. I read this and I said, you know, he's right. The world is tired of religion. 
They're tired of church and religion and views that are full of moralistic condemnation about your behavior and how you need to change it before you can join our club. They're tired of that message. And it all falls under the heading of religion. And he's right. It was religion that killed the 129 in France over the last couple of days. That was religion. But that's not God. And that's not his son, Jesus Christ. And that's not the outcome of the cross. And that's not the outcome of God calling us, marking us, putting his name upon us before the foundation of the earth. He chose you, lavished upon you all of his goodness and grace, and said, I've called you to represent me in the earth. Now go. Preach the good news. Make this announcement that I'm your best friend. Share it with everybody you know. We'll stop there. (laughs) Boy, this can be a long series. (laughs) Chapter 1, verse 1. But I promise you, if you'll come every week, and when you have to miss, watch the video. Come on, Josiah. I promise you, you will never read the New Testament again like you've read it before. I promise you that the gospel will just light up with understanding and revelation. I promise you that your relationship with Jesus will grow deeper. Play, Josiah. Would you stand with me? How many of you this morning can say, I'm a slave? And if you can't say that, if you've been afraid to say that, if you've been afraid to publicly admit, I'm a Christian. I go to church. You know, in some ways, I don't blame you. I, I, I don't blame you. It's embarrassing sometimes to see the kind of things that the church has stood, I, I almost said stood for. Problem is, every time somebody writes something or stands for something that's a reported Christian or churchgoer, it's always against. It's what we're against. How about being for something? How about what we're for? I'm for God's love. I'm for the fact that I'm his slave. I'm for the fact that because he's married to me and chose me before the foundation of the earth, I had nothing to do with it. His faith believed in me when I 
when I was running from me, he chose me. How about, how about sharing? How about flying banners? How about telling your best friend about your best friend and how he's lavished upon you everything good and nothing, nothing bad? There is now chapter 8, verse 1 of Romans. We'll get there. Boy, it's going to be a while. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no judgment. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. That's our message. And here's the beautiful part. Everyone you know that's without a walk of faith and does not embrace Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That's okay. God embraces them. God's faith is working for them. God's faith already, He's had them in His mind. Before they were born, God had them in His mind. He'll get them. He just needs some apostles. Someone who will represent who He really is and like him. How about you? You want to be a slave? You want to sign up to be a slave? How about we start a new party? How about we start a new thing at church? A slave movement. A servant movement. That'll get people talking. Then we'll have an opportunity, opportunity to explain what that means. Yeah. Oh, I'm married. You ever seen pretty women? <laughs> Some of you are going to rent that movie, aren't you? <laughs> that, that one scene so beautiful, so powerful. Here's the deal. I could ask how many of you haven't? How many of you want to? If you want to, come up here. That's okay. But here's the deal. He already loves you. He's already forgiven you. In his mind and by his faith, you are already his and born again. So how about if you just say yes where you're standing? We'll just make this easy. Say yes where you're standing. You say, I'm afraid because I know I can't live it. So does he. And that's where he gives us the power of his Holy Spirit to live like him. Oh, you're going to make a lot of mistakes between here and heaven. Thank God he's taken care of that. Thank God his blood taken care of all of that so pray this out loud with me everyone dear God thank you for Jesus Jesus I believe you came I believe you spread out your arms and died on that cross I believe you've redeemed me and paid the price so that I could have eternal life I accept that. I believe you love me. 
I accept your faith in me. Make me your slave. Thank you for changing my life. Fill me with your spirit and help me to live for you. And help me to represent you now. I pray in Jesus' name.